0: Welcome to Season 4 of the Barfly Podcast. My name is Jeff Berkert, Barfly columnist for the Bay Area News Group, and author of the books, 20 Years Behind Bars, and its sequel, Pearl Denied. My co-host and barback is Kevin Rowe, editor of the online entertainment hub, The Marine Dish. So sit back and enjoy our little peek behind the hospitality industry curve. Oh, and don't forget to... Have a drink on Welcome to the Barfly Podcast. We're super happy today to have Perry Butler on the program to talk about the bar business in general. So welcome, Perry. Thanks very much, it's fun to be here. You know, you're one of the few people who probably needs no introduction having been in the industry as long as you have. Perry's, of course, has employed some of the most famous bartenders in San Francisco history. Across the board, all of your restaurants have always been known for a great hospitality atmosphere. A little less on the mixology, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. I think that the hospitality industry is about hospitality, and I certainly would love to get your thoughts on that.
1: Well, yeah, we we do real traditional bar stuff, and we have we have some good cocktails. I'm not a cocktail guy myself, but we've all these very good at that. He's come up with some, and our bartenders do. But yeah, no, we're, we we want to serve real real good drinks, good basic stuff, and that's what we've always concentrated on.
0: I jokingly knock mixology. Of course, we all have to invent cocktails and do that sort of thing. But there's that over reliance on the drink alone, as opposed to the atmosphere. Right. And I think Perry certainly is the the antithesis of that.
1: Michael McCourt. That's where the story starts for me because uh, he he was our opening bartender at Union Street, and he gave the the bar instant credibility because he because of who he was. Mm-hmm. He'd grown up in the New York area, worked in his brother Malachi's bar on the Upper East Side. And he went to Alta, L.A., worked at a little dive bar called Shea J. in Santa Monica. And uh, I was told to get in touch with him. So I, we, I went down there and met him. And he came up for a weekend and said, oh, I love this. Well, count on me. And I said, I'll be your man. And he was. And God love him. He's just a character he could be a bad boy at times (laughs) he would get in trouble with demon rum himself but um and he passed away back in 2015 but he was he was a wonderful human being so he was the he was the the landmark guy for me he was the
0: the pin to the whole thing right he was the the part that we had some other good
1: guys when we opened but michael michael was the the guy who really gave us credibility and along came seamus Coyle. You ever know him?
0: I, I'm familiar with the name, of course.
1: Seamus was Seamus was a classic. I mean, born in Dublin, classic Irishman. He was only with us for a couple of years because he, he, and he's gone now too. But I, I always say that he committed the unpardonable sin of believe, beginning to believe his own BS. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he really did. He became a professional Irishman, and yeah. I finally had to tell him that we were done. And we had Michael English, who. Um, Another great guy born in Dublin and he was with us for thirty plus years.
0: And did they find you or how did you find them?
1: Some of those memories are a little fuzzy. I mean we I think we people knew that there was a fun place on Union Street and things were happening and they would come in and check it out or a friend of a friend would say, hey, here's, I want to introduce you to Mike English. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of, it was an imprecise process, but it, it, it happened.
0: Now, when you opened, what was it, in 69?
1: August of 69. On Union Street, right? August 20th, 5 o'clock in the afternoon.
0: So, wow, you know it down to the, okay, <laughs> I like it. Um, uh,
1: there's some things you don't forget. Sure. Well, what was the scene like on Union Street back at that time? Oh, it was a way different neighborhood than, than yeah. it is today. It's, it's gone through some changes for mm-hmm. sure. It was kind of a quiet, residential, neighborhood street. There were laundromats. There were a couple of hardware stores. There were a lot of antique stores. Mm-hmm. Very few bars. The bus stop was there.
0: Oh, the bus stop was there? Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. bus stop, I don't even know when it opened. I, but um, there was a place called the Vintner, which is then became Pasta Pomodoro and is now shuttered. There, were, there weren't too many places. So it was, it was kind of quiet.
0: You wouldn't recognize it today, right? No, I mean, no.
1: Yeah. no. And then, it, then it grew and grew, and it became very popular. And all people started opening other things and boutiques and stuff. And the uh, what Chestnut Street has become has took a little Union Street's thunder. But it's still, it's still a good neighborhood. It is what it is.
0: You guys were instrumental in making it what it is.
1: Well, you're nice to say that. There are other people who have said that, and um, we, you know, we did become a, a go-to place. I'm very, very flattered by that.
0: You're creating that all, all over the place now. Your second trip into to Marin County has been very successful here at the large. You know, location. the first
1: one, which where I got my nose pretty bloodied, <laughs> stuck, <laughs> stuck badly in my craw, and I thought, ah. Oh. We just, you know, everything that could have gone wrong down in Mill Valley did. It was that the timing wasn't good. We were, we were using some borrowed money, and the interest rates were up at 19, 20 percent, if you can believe that. Wow. And then the highway patrol decided to make an example of people coming out of our parking lot. Oh. And they put, one night they pulled over 17 people. Oh. None of whom probably got arrested, but just harassment. And it got in the newspaper. Oh. And it kissed the death. Yeah. And some other things happened. So after after seven years of banging my head against the wall and I went well in in 85 we opened in 82 In 85 we did Butler's upstairs right. where where Heidi came into the picture. But we were just losing losing money hand over fist. And I finally said I can't we can't do this. So we sold it at a big loss. And I, I thought, geez, you know, everything had gone so well in the city. It was my first step out of the box, but it, was, it, it wasn't the right one. Right.
0: And you lived in Marin County.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, at, at that time, we lived in Ross. Uh, I lived in Larkspur now for 24 years. But anyway, it always bugged, it bugged me with how that didn't go right, and I wanted to get back here and make it right. Mm-hmm. And then when this thing became available, I thought, we, we just have to do it. And thank God it's turned out really nicely, and yeah, the uh, community loves it I a mean, lot of good a lot of good people came to work here and they stayed and stayed and stayed and we're I'm very proud of what what the what this Would you has say become. that this is your most successful location Well, it's the highest grossing right now uh-huh. the Embarcadero was uh-huh. but again, the pandemic changed that and, and so yeah, in terms of just numbers, well, yeah. it's not all about that but Right.
0: Well, it doesn't hurt that you have a pretty uh, expansive um, courtyard outdoor area. It's it's made all the difference because outdoor
1: dining became such a dramatically popular and necessary thing. Mm -hmm. People really beat a path to our door and and they, they knew, you know, it was safe and healthy. Yeah. and
0: fun and beautiful yeah and I mean it's a spectacular right? I mean you don't have many restaurants that are surrounded by redwood trees no you're, I mean, you're, absolutely right. you know? <laughs> you're absolutely right and that patio is fabulous I used to always te- I worked at the Lark Creek Inn and I used to always tell people it was neither an inn nor is that the Lark Creek Right. I know <laughs> <laughs> you know it's called
1: the, the official name is the Arroyo Holon Creek but they what, just made up the name Lark Creek yeah. it had a, it's a wonderful name it was yes yeah.
0: Brad did a great job for a long time
1: But he really did he an enormously talented guy and, and I think his restaurant in in Vegas originally succeeded, um, and then something happened.
0: Something, yes. So we'll, we'll so leave it at that. Yeah, but, he's a, but he's a good man.
1: We invited him on our first pre opening night and he, he came.
0: He is a wonderful, probably the nicest chef I've ever worked for. Yeah. Right? Just a great guy, really personable. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah. I started at a hot dog stand. I don't know if you knew that. that was, I, I'm not this, sure I did. His first cooking job was at a hot dog stand for his dad. So, wow. great, great stories. So, anyhow, you know, the thing about the bar business is, uh, you know, people ask me all the time, well, now, what, what do you expect? And the pandemic has changed all of that. Yeah. So, I'm not sure I trajectory previous was always such a great thing. Certainly with liquor companies and bars, a lot of them were turn and burn. They just wanted to open, make a name for themselves and sell them to someone else. And Perry's obviously does not subscribe to that theory. I mean, your family works for you. You're in this industry and you've been in this industry for a long time. So how do you think the new bar industry is going to look? Is it going to look more like the old or are we still headed down that? that I
1: hope we don't go down the turn and burn thing. I don't know. I don't know how rewarding that is and how possible is if you invest so much of yourself and your time and your money to open a place and it starts to click why in God's green earth would you want to sell it right unless that's really was your motivation from the beginning but I think you work so hard to make it successful when it is you can stand back and enjoy it and hopefully make a couple bucks and obviously over time the margins in this business have sh- shrunk you know that yeah um, which is why when the pandemic came along I think a lot of people who were kind of hanging on said I'm out mm-hmm and that was, you know, the pandemic is what pushed him over the edge. But I, I don't know. I, I think, I hope it goes back to the old days of just, you know, open it and keep it.
0: And keep it for a long time. Yeah. For the long term, you know. Well, in my
1: case, I, you know, I wouldn't have, didn't, wouldn't want to sell it. I wouldn't want, wouldn't have known what to do with myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I had no idea what we were onto at Union Street, and, you know, at 26 years old and very idealistic and a little naive and all of a sudden it became this huge success. It was fun. Yeah. And, you know, there was no way in the world I was going to walk away from that. And then it just, over time, becomes more a
0: part of your life. And here we are. But did you know that that would be your career trajectory? Did you know you were going to open up a restaurant one oh, day? No, or no. did you stumble no, into no. it? No. Here's a, here's the reader's
1: digest for <laughs> Okay. This podcast isn't long enough. <laughs> but um, I started out in the advertising business in, in New York City. My, my dad had been in the business. And... Uh, I worked for a company called J. Walter Thompson sure. at the time, and the, it, I got out of college, graduated from Dartmouth in 1964, and, and then went to work in Thompson for two years, and then had to do some military time in the six months of active. It was just the height of Vietnam. After which I came out here because I'd been here one summer during college and fell in love. I thought, oh, I got to live there. Yeah. So found a job here, and my first <laughs> wife and I moved here and I had just another advertising job. It was not fun or fulfilling at all. So she said, well, why don't we just open that restaurant we've been talking about doing someday? And I said, yeah, that's a joke. We didn't have any money, blah, blah, blah. But she was very, very persistent, maybe even relentless (laughs) and and a wonderful person and a big part of establishing Perry's on Union Street. So long story short, we we borrowed some money and, and just put one foot in front of the other And figured that uh, if we work hard and pay attention, we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And we made our share of mistakes in the beginning, but none of them so glaring that it harmed us. And then a wonderful guy named Glenn Dornbush, who was in the public relations business. I don't know that you would have met him or known him, but he's been gone for a while. He started feeding things to Herb Cain items about things that were happening in the restaurant, and we started to get a lot of publicity, and he brought in radio people, TV people, media people. They were like, oh, this is cool. Mm -hmm. Because the one thing we did, there hadn't been anything quite like us. A lot of places in the city back then were all dark, kind of red-flocked wallpaper. We turned the lights on and um, served the menu we have. You could have it, if you wanted a burger... You could have it at night for dinner, not just at lunch, like most places. They right. they had the casual menu at lunch, and they ratcheted it up at dinner and, and wanted you to spend more money on, on a steak or whatever. So what we did wasn't exactly earth-shattering, but it, it subtly made a difference, and people liked it. And they just kept coming, and that was pretty... It was pretty neat.
0: Well, and back then, I mean, Herb Kane was—he was the man about town. He if was. you could get into his column, get yeah. some ink there. We were, we were in there a ton. He yeah. it really made a difference. So well, McCabe used to hang out it. At, at, oh yeah. Know, I mean, so it wasn't just Herb. I mean, oh was yeah. Charles
1: whole. McCabe, Stanton <laughs> Delaplaine. You yeah. know, yeah. yeah, a lot of those, a lot of those folks, and um, yeah, Charles McCabe was a character. Yes. He, he he drank Rainier Ale, which he called the Green Death. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, yeah, no, and there so that's there was a lot of that.
0: We take that for granted now—that you can go to a, a nice restaurant in town, have a drink and a burger. I mean, every every restaurant yeah. in this in this entire county does that. But you couldn't—you couldn't—and and and that, like you said, it's a small, a subtle difference. But what a difference that is, and yeah. it's revolutionized this industry. I think. Yeah. Certainly the casual bar scene. I mean, every every bar from the Lark Creek Inn to the Buckeye to all of them owe a, a debt of gratitude for that for you creating that environment.
1: And when my wife and I go out for dinner, we always prefer to sit at the bar, yes. wherever. I, we used to come sit at the bar here at Lark Creek, and I'd always bang my knee on that those damn, that antique bar. <laughs> yes. It didn't have enough of an overhang. Oh, yeah. And I would whack my knee every time. When am I going to get smart and not do that? But it was fun sitting at the bar.
0: I had to apologize for that bar all the time. So I've worked there for five years. and uh, Well, yeah.
1: obviously, the biggest decision we made was to, to pull it out and build it, the bar that you see down below in that room, which was... That room needed help and and by moving the entrance and putting the bar there it made all the difference. And then the little room that was the bar under Lark Creek is a very cozy, Little dining room, and we took away the real fireplace, which used to blow ashes into people's food, and <laughs> and replaced it with an artificial in. fireplace. Some change is good. I, right? I, I digress.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, but again, the, you know, the emphasis in the bar business has always been taking care of the customer and making them giving them a place, a, a respite, a place to go. You know, the old Cheers thing where everyone knows your name. Yeah. And Perry certainly has that. And you know, we again, we take those types of things for granted. But you've really engineered quite a wonderful thing.
1: Well, if you have the good people back there, in which we're very fortunate to do with, with personality and integrity and they make people feel that way they, they, they make them feel welcome and yeah. might even make a drink without asking you what you want they already they know, know what, once they, you walk yeah, in right? Right. yeah that, that, that pumps up a guy's ego sure <laughs> 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 and a too. Yeah. Michael, Michael McCourt was very good at see a guy come in the front door and he'd go here so anyway yeah, it's all about the people I mean I, I wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation with you if we hadn't had so many tremendous people over the years at all the places and fortunately, they like working for us. They stay and stay and stay, and the longer they're, the longer they're here, the better they are at what right. they do. And you know, it's just very gratifying.
0: But people are also coming here to see you as well. I hear you. Oh, you I still make your daily rounds, right? Well, no, I'm,
1: I'm I am here every yeah. every evening. Yeah, and I go to my office is at Union Street. I still go there every day. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, I try and stay away on the weekends, but I, I love being here and I love just talking to people. Yeah, i been kind of laying low a lot since this Omicron thing came along. Right, Aldi and my daughter said, "Hey, Dad, why don't you just chill over in the corner? Don't don't go around <laughs> mm-hmm. talking to people." So I I double mask myself, and now I feel a little liberated. We can right. get back to that, but people I don't,
0: appreciate that, I'm sure, because they come here to see you in a lot of ways. Right. Right?
1: Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's fun. We we're lucky to have lots of friends who have become friends yeah. just by being customers
0: well, and it must be kind of gratifying to see younger generations coming you know, in is. as well right lots or of the kids children
1: of lots their- of kids which is just yeah. awesome we knew we wanted to be kid friendly and dog friendly any given day in the patio there will be three or four dogs sitting next to their owners yeah. and then kids are you know it's great it, it really is and, and, and they'll they'll keep coming and sometimes the kids bring the parents yeah <laughs> <laughs> not, not a bad marketing
0: idea right so don't worry about tomorrow take it for today please join us next time when we welcome Gibson Jeff Thomas the editor-in-chief of Edible Marin and Wine Country Magazine until then day. my name is Jeff Burkhart thanks for listening have
1: a drink.